Is there a desire in you to not just attend revival, but live in revival? Welcome to the Revival Lifestyle Podcast. I'm your host, Isaiah Saldivar. I've been in revival for the last 10 years, as well as traveling and being a part of many revivals throughout the United States. I'm going to be sharing with you how to live a radical lifestyle of revival on a daily basis. A powerful night and here's one of the main reasons why is because there's nothing more important that we can possibly train you on talk about or have as a christian than a prayer life i want to tell you straight up tonight that you will not survive your destiny without a prayer life you will not survive these last days without a prayer life and i'll, I'll go as far to say this you won't survive being a christian without a prayer life we're not talking come on share this we are not talking about some religious duty we're not talking about repeating the same prayers over and over and over again we are talking about the holy spirit moving you to prayer we're talking about your communication your one-on-one time with the father we're not saying words over and over we're talking about having this connection with god not having this this burden to get in the place of prayer we're talking about being so in love with god that you desire to pray and this is what i want you to have in your mind this entire night as we're preaching this as we're teaching this is it's not about forcing myself to pray come on let's get some ones in the chat it's not about forcing like man i have to pray i have to get in prayer i have to get in the word it's about getting to a place in your relationship with god where you say lord and i'm reading the comments as i preach lord i desire to pray lord i want the desire desire to pray just like I desire to watch TV just like I desire to get on Instagram just like I desire to get on Facebook I have the desire to do this or do that Lord give me come on this will change your life give me the desire to pray and this is my goal my goal is not that you'd have to pray not that you'd be forced to pray not that you'd be like oh man I have to pray I haven't prayed in a long time what's wrong with me and beat yourself over the head and be condemned over this but that you would have a genuine desire and this is what I'm praying Lord I want a genuine desire to get in the place of prayer so if I don't have that desire and guys honestly I need it more I don't have it enough I'm coming with humility tonight saying Lord I want this more I want a a more of a desire for prayer more of a desire for your spirit more of a desire for fasting so I'm believing in Isaiah Saldivar that God would give me a greater desire to pray I pray that you would get addicted to prayer that's what I'm believing for I'm praying as I preach you're like I never understood this or realized the scripture said this and as you hear the word of God the word of God is like a hammer that shatters strongholds and so I dec- decree over you that strongholds are being shattered the strongholds of distraction the demonic assignments of unbelief of weariness some of you every time you pray you get tired that is demonic and we come against it in jesus name the devil is working over time to keep you out of the place of prayer but i believe that god is thrusting you into prayer god is launching you into prayer and so lord i i'm asking you make my house a house of prayer make me a house of prayer make my kids children that want to pray lord i'm asking you right now break out by your spirit break out your by your power it's not just talk but it's demonstration because we're going to be praying for people tonight deliverance healing breakthrough and all those things because i really believe that god is raising up a remnant of people that pray there's no greater time than right now in our generation to pray prayer is the way if you're taking notes you should be taking notes prayer is the way that we connect with god there's no other way for you to have connection or for you to have communion outside the vehicle or outside the place of prayer remember john 4 24 if you're taking notes and we're going to give you a lot of scriptures tonight jesus said god is spirit and those who worship him must worship in spirit and in truth 
So we know that God is not in the visible realm. We know that God is not a physical being where you can see him with your physical eyes. You need to know this about prayer, that God is spirit. And you say, Isaiah, duh, I know God's spirit. Then why don't we pray? Then why aren't we in the place of prayer and in the place of worship? And why aren't we spending time? Now, the way, the reason why I know we don't believe this is because if we look at our prayer time in the last, let's just say week, many of us didn't pray in the last week. Many of us didn't call out to God. The only time we prayed was before bed or before our food. And that's a perfect sign that we don't believe God is spirit. People say, why are you so about the spirit realm? And you're talking about how you need to have spiritual eyes and spiritual discernment and you're exposing demons and you're always talking about spiritual things. And my answer to that is that's where God's at. God is not in the visible visible realm. That's why Paul says we're not wrestling in the natural flesh and blood. We're wrestling in the spiritual realm. So God is spirit. He's not physical. And if if anyone argues this, I don't know what to tell you. God is not physically walking around the world in a physical body. If anyone says that they're God in the physical body or Jesus, that's the Antichrist. Okay, that's not Jesus. God is spirit. The Holy Spirit, they're all spirit. So you got to understand that when we pray, Jesus said God's looking for worshipers that would worship in spirit and in truth. So the way that we connect with God, the way that I'm helping myself if I'm not helping you, the way that we fellowship with God and commune with God is in the spirit. So prayer becomes the vehicle that God uses for us to have relationship with him. This is the vehicle to build our relationship. This is why when Jesus was on earth, we're going to see Jesus constantly getting away to pray, constantly spending time with the father through prayer. You have to look at it as not a burden. Come on, someone take notes. But as an incredible privilege that we are able to communicate with God, that you have the ability, share this broadcast to communicate. Like this is something that was purchased, that we were, the Bible says, at war with God. We were enemies to God. And the Bible says that we were not at peace, but by Jesus, we've been made at peace with God. So everything we do, hi, Daniel Adams, love you, bro. I see you in the comments. Everything we do is an overflow of our prayer life. Preaching is an overflow. Come on, I'm talking to you preachers out there of a prayer life. Laying hands on the sick is an overflow of the prayer life. Casting out demons. You already know I love to cast out demons. This is absolutely my favorite hobby is an overflow of my prayer life. Prophesying is an overflow of my prayer life. The gifts of the spirit are an overflow. Where do they all start? What is the root? What is the seed? Where do these begin? These all begin in the place of prayer. There's nothing that the devil is more afraid of. I'm telling you, hell is shaking as I preach. I feel it. Hell is shaking as I preach because the devil is terrified of a believer that prays. He's not terrified of a believer that goes to church. He's not terrified of a believer that gets babysat by a pastor. He's not uh, terrified of these gummy bear Chuck E. Cheese churches we have on every corner. The devil is absolutely terrified of a believer that prays. This is what he has nightmares about. The devil has nightmares about you on his knees, on, on you on your knees. The spirit of fear is afraid of you getting on your knees. Like the spirit of fear has fear and it's afraid of you getting into prayer. So this is powerful because we need to be believers that pray. Now here's how I could prove it. You're like, well, the devil doesn't care. Let me tell you how to prove it. He works overtime to keep you distracted. You might think that it's not the devil, but I'm telling you, it is demonic that we are so distracted all the time that Satan is working overtime to keep you distracted. Now, if Satan is trying to keep me out of somewhere, if he's saying, listen, I don't want you to go there. I don't want you to do this. 
I don't want you to be a part. I don't want you to show up to the prayer meeting at the church. I don't want you to have prayer with your kids, prayer in your marriage. I'm preaching to myself, y'all. Don't be thinking I have it all together, that I have everyday prayer meetings with my family. I'm working on it. I'm a work in progress, and I'm preaching to myself tonight, but I'm understanding more the strategies and the schemes of demons and the enemy, and that is to keep you out of the place of prayer, is that they don't want you in prayer because they know the power of a praying believer. They know what would happen if you got in the place of prayer and the church of today is powerless because the church is prayerless because prayer has become our last resort prayer is our lowest come on be honest let's just be real tonight prayer is our lowest priority we have everything in our life and prayer is the afterthought of our life and i'm telling you do you know how much smoother your life would be if prayer came first come on where are you at in the comments tonight shout me down here if prayer came first instead of last all the things you do and you say, God, fix this and God, fix this and God, do this and open this door and fix me here and I'm lacking prayer. I'm not hungry for you. I'm not desperate for you. I'm lazy. I'm this. I'm apathetic. I'm complacent. All these issues that we have in life could all be solved if prayer wasn't the last on your to-do list. Why is prayer? Come on, don't get offended. Say amen. Why is prayer the last thing on your to-do list? And I'm preaching to myself, why is it that's at the end of the night? We lay our head in bed and I, I do this all the time like oh hey lord i know i've been working for you all day but not with you i know i've been running around tired all day but i haven't been praying i've been stressed out i've been anxious am i the only one i've been doing all these things and i'm spinning plates and i have all these things i'm trying to hang on to and do and i got to get this done and get this done and get this done and i get so busy working for the master I forget to have relationship with the master. I get so busy working for the king, I forget about the king. And this is where prayer realigns your priorities. Now, let me explain to you why people don't pray. Prayer does not gain you. If you're taking notes, this is good stuff here. Prayer does not gain you anything with men. You don't achieve anything with man. If you're out posting videos and doing stuff and people are saying, oh, great sermon, great preaching and all this great stuff, you're gaining something in the eyes of man, whether it's viewers or subscribers or finances or you're building something or you're at work or you're getting paid. We're always working to gain stuff in the, in the, in human, in uh, the eyes of man and in humanity. But prayer doesn't gain you anything with man. It doesn't gain you anything in the natural, but it gains you relationship with God it gains you authority with God it gains you blessing and breakthrough with God and so because we don't believe that we don't see instant results we just don't pray but I'm here to tell you that a thousand other issues if you're taking notes would be solved in your life if you just had a prayer life let me give all of you a secret here Tons of your issues are a result of the fact that you don't pray. And I'm trying to help you and shout this from the mountaintops that we need a praying church, that it's not okay that we have prayer meetings and nobody shows up and we have Sunday morning services and the building's packed. Now you guys know we go to Lifesong Church. I preached there a couple weeks ago and I went to prayer there this last week for the first time and the place was packed out and people are there to pray. Because if you're not having prayer meetings, you're not going to see the Spirit of God move. If you're not having prayer meetings, you're not going to be able to take territory in the supernatural. You got to be a church that prays. Pastors, listen, you got to be pastors that pray. And not just having prayer meetings, but having prayer in your everyday life. I hope somebody's getting hungry. Like, let's just pray. I'm ready to pray. I hope somebody, we're going to at the end, is hungry for prayer.
I remember at the altar when I got saved, I said, God, I can't do anything you're telling me to do. I have nothing to offer you. Many of you know my story. And one of the things that God instructed me among several things he told me to do, but one of the things was he said, Isaiah, just pray an hour a day. This was the one of the things, the instructions that God gave me, the practical instructions that God gave me. And he said, I will make everything work from that. I'll, I'll work it out. All you need to do is pray because the power of prayer invites God's divine nature into your life. He's the one that wants to empower you. He's the one that wants to teach you. He's the one that wants to change you. He's the one that wants to deliver you and heal you. And he responds when we begin to pray. Now I told God, I don't know how to pray. Cause remember I was an atheist the night at the altar I got saved. I was an atheist just a couple minutes before I'd spent three years of not going to church. And I came to a place where I was like, I just don't believe God's real. It's fake, it's phony, there's no power. And so I was a self-proclaimed, probably agnostic, but I just call myself an atheist because that's what I thought that it was. But you need to understand that the Holy Spirit said, I'm gonna teach you how to pray. So the Holy Spirit can teach you to pray. Now I'm gonna also teach you and share with you and give you verses and scriptures and types of prayer and talk to you about some different types of prayer we can, we can look at in the Bible. But more than Isaiah Saldivar teaching you, I want you to let the Holy Spirit teach you. He's the best teacher. He can teach you to pray better than I can. I remember when I started to pray, I didn't know what to do. And I remember getting in that place of prayer for the first time. And I was like, Lord, what do I say? And the Holy Spirit, begin to give me the words. So know that the Holy Spirit will give you the words to pray. He will speak through you in prayer, not just in tongues, which for me, 90 plus percent of my prayer life is in the spirit, is in tongues. But for some of you, maybe you don't pray in tongues that much, or maybe it's not as often at praying in tongues, or maybe you're more into praying in English. And that's fine because the Bible does say also that we pray in English too. But just know that the Holy Spirit could teach you. He can show you the will of God. Now, how does the Holy Spirit teach us to pray? He reveals the will of God in our life. He reveals the plan of God. And when we pray according to the plan and to the will of God, when, he, when we pray according to that, then God begins to answer. God does not answer our prayers based on our own ambition or based on our own wants. Come on, we got 2,500. Let's get these numbers up. This is awesome in Jesus' name. But God answers based on his will. In Luke 11, the disciples asked Jesus, teach us to pray. They saw something different about Jesus. They're like, this guy is different than us. He lays hands on the sick. He's raising the dead. He walks in power and authority. He's living sinless. And if there's something about him that I'm missing. And so the disciples didn't say, teach us to preach or teach us to prophesy. They never even said, teach us to drive out demons. He never taught them. He said, go, I give you power and authority. Jesus, they said, Jesus, teach us to pray. And so we have to be humble. Maybe you are like, I'm a prayer warrior. I'm an intercessor. I've been praying for years. I don't need this. But tonight you need to ask the Lord, say, Lord, I want to learn to pray. There's something for me tonight that I'm learning and that you're doing in a way that you're moving so that I can get in the place of prayer like I've never been in the place of prayer before. Jesus said on the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew 7, 7, he says, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be open for everyone. Listen to Jesus. This is what he says. For everyone who asks, receives. Whoever seeks, finds. And whoever knocks, the door will be open. So Jesus is making it very clear. If you ask, I will give you. If you seek, you will find. If you knock, the door will be open. So what is the problem? Why my prayers are not being answered? What is the problem? Why I'm not seeing breakthrough in my life? Probably because you're not doing what Jesus said to do. So many of us, we give up right away because we don't see God moving 
instantaneously. And so we're like, I've seeked, I've knocked, I've asked, and we doorbell ditch God, and we knock, and we run away, and we don't spend the time and the energy. Now, I want to give you, I really do, a secret formula. Like Isaiah figured out how to get every prayer answered in five minutes. It doesn't exist. Friend, there is no shortcut to the place of prayer. There's no, can I get this in 15 minutes? Like you guys want the drive-through. You're like, Lord, I want good food, but I want it in the drive-through. No good food comes from the drive-through. This is, you have to get to the table of God and say, God, I'm going to spend time. I'm going to plow. I can't, hi, Hannah Williamson. Love you. Appreciate you. I can't. I can't get this in one moment. I can't get this in one minute. I can't get this in 30 seconds. I literally am going to have to spend time in the secret place. So the way that I gain anything from God is time spent. My time is the currency that moves heaven. So when I spend my time on the things of prayer, heaven begins to move. God begins to move on my behalf, but God does not move on our little Burger King, McDonald's, microwave, drive-through, happy meal prayer times where we're like, okay, Lord, I'm going to give you three minutes of my time, five minutes of my time, and I'm going to give the Starbucks drive-through more time. I don't, I don't understand this. You spend 15 minutes in the Chick-fil-A drive-through. I have a Chick-fil-A by my house. They, they sit on the freeway. They sit on the freeway waiting to get off the exit to get to Chick-fil-A. And I'm, I'm driving by going, these people are on the side of the freeway waiting in line to get in Chick-fil-A. 45 cars, I'm not exaggerating, stacked up. And yet we have a church that gives God five minutes at the altar. We have a church that can't pray. But you're telling me your chicken sandwich, you're telling me your Chick-fil-A sauce, you're telling me your caramel macchiato with an extra shot is more valuable than getting in the place of prayer? So then why have you spent more time at Walmart this week than in your prayer closet? Why have you spent more time in the drive-thru of Chick-fil-A than your prayer closet? Why is it you're like, I'm on season five of The Office again. And I'm going like, how come we can get you watching The Office every season, but we can't get you in your office to pray, but we can't get you in your prayer closet, but we can get you on the TV. It's so easy. The new movie comes out, everyone's posting about it. And I'm like, when are you gonna post about what God is saying to you in the place of prayer? So this is not a God problem. Listen to me tonight. As I turn my fan up because I'm shouting so loud here. This is not a God problem. This is a you problem. This is an us problem. There is nothing wrong. If you're taking notes, there is nothing wrong with God. The problem is not God. If you're not seeing your prayers answered, if you're not seeing a move of God in your life, the issue is not God. God did not do anything. God is not wrong. The issue is we are not willing to spend the energy and the time because you can't microwave God. You cannot put him in the microwave and say, Lord, I want this right away. You have to get to a place where you say, I'm going to pray until. I'm going to seek until. I'm going to knock until. I'm going to do it until God moves on my behalf. Who am I preaching to tonight. I'm going to do it until God heals my body. I'm going to do it until God breaks this anxiety, breaks this depression, until God saves my family, until God renews my mind, until God opens up this door, until God promotes the ministry. I'm not going to stop because the enemy has distracted me. Satan, you are a liar. Get out of here with all of that. I don't got time for that. I'm not going to be distracted. I'm not going to let anything Pull me out of the place of prayer. I'm not going to let anything rob me of my prayer time. You have to you have to protect your prayer time because the devil's not just concerned with getting you. He's trying to get your prayer time. And so you got to say, wait a minute. I'm turning off this right here because this is your greatest enemy, y'all. This cell phone right here. That's your greatest enemy. As I got a text from my wife there. That's your greatest enemy. Your greatest enemy is your cell phone. Your greatest enemy is your television. And so you don't need... 
a demon. Now, a lot of you do need demons cast out of you. I don't want to say that. I hate when people are like, you don't need deliverance. You probably do need some deliverance. But many of you are like, it's a demon, it's a demon. When God's like, it ain't a demon, it's your cell phone. So don't keep telling them that it's a demon, it's a demon. Because you can't cast out your iPhone. Well, some of you need to cast out and throw it out your window. Because really, it's your phone distracting you. Now, the devil can use social media and platforms. But at the end of the day, you're the one that's not protecting your prayer time. Lord, help us to protect our prayer time help us to violently fight off the distractions fight off the demons that are trying to get us out of the place of prayer that are trying to distract us from praying because we know that when we pray heaven moves come on help me tonight we know that when we pray demons have to flee we know that when we pray miracles happen we know that when we pray families get restored when we pray marriages get restored when we pray God pours out his spirit he said I'm getting ready to pour out my spirit on all flesh I'm getting ready to move in ways that you never even imagined or ever dreamed of in your wildest dreams and all I'm looking for is somebody that would stand in the gap all I'm looking for is somebody that would pray all I'm looking for is somebody that would get serious how many times should we ask God for something until it happens if it's God's will then I'm gonna pray until now let me ask you do you think it's God's will for your child to be saved absolutely so I'm going to pray until they get saved do you think it's God's will for you to get delivered absolutely so i'm going to pray until i get deliverance do you think it's god's will to heal you well yeah we know this because psalms 103 says all sickness and all disease he already took all in the pen you're already healed so i don't need to beg or strive or ask, is it your will to heal me lord it's his will to heal every single person that's sick he wants to heal you he desires to heal you so i'm going to keep praying according to the will of god you don't stop searching because like oh it's taking too long to find him it's like when you're a kid and you're playing hide and seek and then you're hiding and your friend can't find you so they stop my kids do this all the time and they're watching tv and i'm like where's your sister and it's like oh we were playing hide and seek she's still hiding i gave up because i couldn't find her and you're sitting there watching tv while your friend's out there still hiding and you never found them and this is what we do to god god is hiding and we don't look for god we're sitting on tv and god's like all i'm doing is i'm waiting for you to find me and he says if you knock if you knock i'm going to open the door so you don't stop knocking because you're like, oh, maybe God's not home. Write this down. God is always home. God is always home. If you knock, he's going to open. But we already know from the parable, you have to be persistent. If you want bread at midnight, you have to knock and be shameless and say, I don't care if the kids are sleeping. I'm going to keep knocking. I don't care if I offend him. I'm going to keep knocking. Bugging is a principle. You want to know how to get your prayers answered? Jesus says, you got to bug. You got to bug the judge. You got to knock and be shameless and say, God, here I am again until the judge says, I am tired of this person coming to me over and over and over. And the Bible says the wicked judge grants her request because of her shameless persistence. Now, we know that our God is not, is not a wicked judge. We know that our God is a righteous, loving, kind judge. So here's, here's the parable. If a wicked judge responds to shameless persistence, how much more is our God who's loving, who's kind, who's tenderhearted, whose mercy triumphs judgment is going to answer your prayer? For some of you, you're just not praying long enough. So the key to effective prayer is persistent persistence jesus said in john 16 24 until now you've asked for nothing in my name asking you shall receive so that your joy may be may be made full he says listen 
There is a special type of joy that comes when your prayer is answered. The problem is you are expecting me. This is Jesus talking in John 16, 24. He says, but you're expecting me to answer prayers and to do things when up until this point, you've not even asked me to do it. You've not even asked me. It's like, listen, if you're a guy out there and you're married and your wife is like, mad that you didn't do something and you're just like okay i'm i'm i'm, I'm walking on a tightrope here because my wife is watching all my family's watching so i'm walking on tightrope. but it's like honey come on guys can you back me up here because i'm starting to sweat here it's like honey i'm i i didn't know you wanted me to do that it's like you should have just known you should have just known better it's like i didn't know better i can't read your mind and so i need you to tell me if you want me to take out the take out the trash i didn't see that it was for whatever it could be it's like women think that we can read minds and i'm like i can't read your mind i'm prophetic and i'm word of knowledge but when it comes to you come on guys thank you i'm i'm, I'm literally sweating right now i'm just treading carefully it's like honey i can't read your mind so you're gonna have to tell me jesus is saying listen i can read your mind but i don't want to read your mind i want you to tell me what you need because you haven't asked for anything so ask me and you will receive and here's and here's why so your joy could be made full he goes there's no joy in your life because answered prayers produce joy let me give you an example have you ever had god answer a prayer it was a family saved a friend saved you invited them for years and you're like man i've been inviting them and then one day they come to church and you're so full of joy and you're going around telling my family's here my friends are here then they come to the altar and they get touched and you're on like this it feels like you're on a spiritual high because you know that that person there is a direct result to your prayer being answered like you know that family member should not be up at that altar but i've been interceding i've been tilling the grounds and i've been praying and they are an answer to my prayer or maybe someone's body gets healed and you're like it works god heals people this is an answer to my prayer and there's joy there's excitement here's why i love deliverance where's all my deliverance people at here's why i love deliverance it's because it's god answering prayer when someone comes to me and says I've been praying for years, brother, to get free. And my pastor keeps telling me, just it's just your flesh. Just pray the sinner's prayer. There's nothing wrong with you. You just need to think better and renew your mind. And it's not. It's a demon. It's a demon. It's not they need to renew their mind. Jesus didn't say, if there's a demon, just tell them to renew their mind. Jesus cast that thing out of the person. Okay? It's not, oh, I just need the flesh. I just need to keep crucifying. You don't, you don't, you don't crucify demons. You cast them out. So stop telling people they don't need deliverance when they need deliverance. And they come to us and say, I need deliverance. And we deliver them. And then at the end of it, everyone has joy everyone's excited let me prove this to you in acts chapter 8 the bible says that philip cast out demons and there was great joy in that city because of it so the deliverance and the miracles brought joy why because deliverance and miracles are prayers answered so jesus and when you ask me to do this and you receive you're going to be excited there's going to be joy maybe you're bored and you're full of empty and you're not you have no joy because you haven't been asking jesus for anything the joy of the christian life is that we have a god that desires to answer our prayer your prayers what you've been praying is on god's to-do list god wants to answer but god says you got to actually ask me because i get mad i'm like lord why didn't you heal my family why didn't you save this person you said you were going to save them and god's like you never even asked me to do that like you're all mad that i'm not you know delivering your old friend or your old family or so and so but like you don't even spend time come on let's get to three thousand night you don't even spend time praying for them like think about this we are in delusion tonight and i'm being as real as, as possible we are in delusion if i said 
Type one in the chat if you have an unsafe family member you've been believing for. Type one in the chat. I'm gonna type it first. Type one. I'm gonna. It's gonna freeze my thing because there's too many. There's too, so many of you typing one. Okay. Everyone types one. We all have somebody we're believing to get saved. Like if you have someone you're believing to get saved in your family, you type one. Everyone types one. But then if if I'm talking to myself here because you could just feel convicted how you feel convicted. But then I say, wait a minute. When was the last time I actually spent chronological time praying for that person? Come on, Holy Ghost, help me tonight. When was the last time I actually believed God to move in that old friend, that old family, that old neighbor, that old person? And I couldn't remember, and you guys froze my chat because there's so many of you typing. I couldn't remember the last time I did that. And this is what Jesus is trying to teach us in John 16, 24. He says, you want all this stuff for me to do to you. He goes, but up until now, you haven't even asked me. Like you don't even spend time praying. You don't even spend time believing. Some of you are saying more than a year. I feel the same way. I'm going like, Lord, bring into remembrance. I am lazy. I'm lazy. I haven't even prayed for that person. I've been so wrapped up in my needs that I haven't even prayed or believed for a miracle or deliverance or breakthrough in their life. And so how is God going to answer? This will change your life. How is God going to answer your prayer if you're not even asking him to do it? So your joy is found in answered prayer. Now I want to also talk to you about some different types of prayer. Now, there's many types of prayer. There's probably 20 plus types of prayer. I'm only going to give you a couple tonight that we have in scripture. If you're taking notes, be taking notes. But I want to say this as we go into these different types of prayer. If you want to see revival, start a prayer meeting in your home. This is how our revival started. I Our revival started in my living room with us having a prayer meeting. There's nothing more powerful than when you get together in your living room and you begin to pray and you begin to re- believe God for revival. I want to challenge many of you. I want to challenge you to invite family over, to invite friends over, to start having a prayer meeting. If you want to see revival, this is one of the most practical and one of the most powerful things you can do. Don't wait till you get to church to have a prayer meeting started in your home and if your church I'm going to say something bold but this is a religious spirit if your church is trying to tell you and you might say who what church would do that a lot of them do I had a church I was a part of years ago tell me this if your church tells you that you're not allowed to have a prayer uh, meeting in your home then run as far as you wait away from that church as you can if your church is telling you we don't want you praying at your house with your family. This is only for church. We already have a prayer meeting. Don't invite anyone for prayer. Don't let anybody know. We want to make sure it's regulated because remember, religion wants to control God. So religion likes to control the prayer meetings. They like to control the move of God. If you're pastor or leader, if you're like, I need confirmation, Lord, if I should leave my church, if they're stopping you from having a prayer meeting, I've talked to hundreds of Christians that say, my pastor told me I'm not allowed to have a prayer meeting at my house, only at the church, because you know they want to make sure we don't pray anything. They don't want us inviting anybody. They're scared they're going to lose their members. Then you need to find either start a church or find a new church, because it's essential that we have prayer meetings in our homes. It's essential we have prayer with our children, prayer with our family. In Matthew 18, chapter 18, verses 19 through 20, he says, again, I, again, I say to you that if two or of two or three of you agree on earth considering any considering anything that you ask in my name it will be done for them by my father in heaven for where two or three are gathered together in my name i am there in the midst of them so he says if two of you agree on something concerning anything you ask it will be done by my father in heaven but he says listen where there are two 
or three gathered, there I am in the midst of them. Now, interesting, the word agree here is a musical term. It's taken from the Greek word that comes from the word English word symphony. So something happens when we come together in symphony, when we come together in unity. Remember in the book of Acts, they were all together in one accord. They were all together in one place. They were all together in unity in the spirit. And Jesus says, when you come together, if you want me to move in your home, come on, help me preach. If you want me to move in your home, if you want me to move in your family, share this so we can hit 3,000. If you want me to move in your community, gather two or three people together in symphony, in harmony, in unity, and begin to pray the will of God and watch Jesus begin to move. Get together and invite people. Get together for prayer and watch God do what only he can do. Now, why is it so powerful when we get together for prayer? Because God begins to move in a way that we can't move. Oftentimes, if you're taking notes, God will not move unless God is invited to do so because God and the devil, listen to me, both honor our free will. So if you choose not to pray, he chooses not to move much of the time. You can go years, listen, as a believer and not see a move of God in your family. You can go years as a believer not seeing revival. And here's why. Because God is honoring your free will. Oh, come on, help me preach this Holy Ghost the way that I feel it. God is honoring. So God looks at you and says, you don't want me to move. You don't want to pray. You don't want to fast. You don't want to read your Bible. You want to spend four hours, five hours, six hours a day on video games, Netflix, Instagram, TikTok, Hulu, YouTube Premium, Facebook, all these things. Then I'm not going to move in your life. Why? Not because I don't want to. But God not moving in your life, come on, help me preach, Holy Ghost, is actually God honoring your free will. Because God says, you don't want me. You want nothing to do with me. And so guess what I'm going to do? I'm going to honor your free will. Now, there are times God can do anything. We already know this. There's many times where God can override your free will and just knock you off your horse like he did with Saul. But that's not the rule. That's the exception. The rule is God is looking for you to gather and if you choose not to pray, he chooses not to move. It's interesting because it's so easy to all get together. Now, let's think about in the family aspect. I got four kids, a wife. I get it. Let's think about this. It's easy to get all together to watch a movie. Come on. Don't act like I'm crazy. I'm reading the chat here. It's easy to get all together for dinner sometimes. It's so easy to get all together to gossip about something. It's so easy to get all together to go on vacation or do something fun. Like we spent hours planning our vacations, getting together with family, getting together with friends. And these are all easy things for us to do, right? They're like, they're not hard. They're easy things for us to do. Have you ever wondered why it's so hard to get together for prayer? Have you ever wondered why it's so hard? Like I'm talking about for my family, like just to get everyone together, to get the thing going, to get the prayer, to set time aside and to start seeking God, even for 30 minutes to an hour. It's like, why is it so hard? And you guys are doing awesome. 750 of you on Facebook, amazing. Why is it so hard to get them together? And the answer is it's because it's the devil's worst nightmare. A family that prays is a family that Satan can't separate. A family that prays is a family that Satan loses his grip on. Satan loses his influence on. Do you know how my brother got saved? We were having prayer meetings at my house. My brother shares this testimony to this day. He didn't know what was happening to him. He was waking up happy. He was feeling joy, all these things because we were praying and he, he would come home high and drunk. He would lose his high. He would lose his drunk. He would get in his room, lock his door, watch a bunch of crazy movies, and he didn't want nothing to do with us. He would beeline to his room, right? He didn't want nothing to do with us. And he said one day he put towels under his door. Listen to how powerful prayer is. He put towels 
under his door because he said something is happening in that prayer room something's happening in my living room and it's like coming into my room he literally felt like something was coming in his room so he thought that he can stop god come on help me preach tonight he thought that he can stop god by putting towels under his door so the holy spirit couldn't get into his room but how many people know that if the tomb couldn't stop him if a tomb couldn't hold him in then a towel under the door is not going to hold him in now my brother got saved because we invaded his life with prayer we invaded our home with prayer we said lord make this saturate this place people were coming to my house and they would start crying they would turn the corner my home was about a mile from the corner and they would turn the corner to come to my house and they would start crying and shaking and they would get to my house crying and they would walk in the door of our revival crying and saying i don't know what's going on but i started shaking when i turned the corner i started trembling when i turned the corner i'll tell you what was going on the manifest come on holy ghost help me tonight the manifest presence of god was dwelling in my home because there are people that were praying we used to have people there's people in this chat right now they used to park in my driveway they didn't come inside and i would wake up and they would be in my driveway in the morning and i'd go to them and say what are you doing in my house and they'd say i just want to come on the property and pray because god is doing something what was it was it isaiah saldivar no was it special anointing special mantle absolutely not it was if my people who are called by my name would humble themselves turn from their wicked ways and pray i would hear from heaven forgive their sins and heal their land it was the manifest presence of god i'll tell you what it was it was matthew 18 19 if two of you agree on anything concerning my name and ask the father in heaven will do it where two or more are gathered there i am in the midst of them if you want to see revival break out if you want to see a move of god break out if you want to see an azusa street break out in your home friend we saw this in my living room for a year we had 500 people come into my house why because a family that prays the devil can't mess with a people that pray they shake hell start a prayer meeting and see revival break out in your life i'm telling you right now the devil is working overtime so working on your marriage and kids and family the devil spends hours and all this energy and then all of a sudden you get in prayer and god begins to shatter the strongholds God begins to shatter the chains. And what the devil spent years building, oh, I feel the Holy Ghost tonight. What the devil spent years building, God bulldozes down in one second of prayer. Friend, one moment in prayer can shatter a hundred years of addiction. My dad, you say, my dad has been addicted for 30 years. My mom's been addicted for 25 years. She's been on the street. And I'm telling you that you can see your family delivered and saved from your bedroom. You can see revival break out from your living room. That God desires to do this in you. You just got to understand that it's only by the place of prayer. So let's go into some of these types. I know we're going long. I have no voice. I don't care. We're preaching. We just broke 3,000. Let's keep sharing. Number one, okay. As we're 38 minutes in, I want to go over these types of prayer. Number one type of prayer and then we're going to roll and we're going to pray is praise and thanksgiving okay this is how i like to start prayer sessions praise and thanksgiving we offer praise to god for who he is this is why we praise god we don't praise based on our emotions we don't praise based on how we determine god to be because remember there's 3,000, 3,100 of us in this room tonight and every one of us have a little bit of a different view of god so if we praised according to our view of god we'd all have a different type of praise praise if you're taking notes is not about what i've done it's about what god 
has done. It's not determined by how I feel. It's determined on who he is. Hebrews 13, 5. It says, through him, let us continually offer up a sacrifice of praise to God. That is the fruit of our lips that acknowledge his name. So you have to understand that we offer up a sacrifice of praise to God. Isaiah 43, 21. The people whom I formed for myself, that they might, listen to what he says here in Isaiah 43, 21. This is God saying this that they might declare my praise. So God says, I formed them for myself that they would declare my praise. This is not worship, this is praise to God. Psalms 15, two, David said, praise him for his mighty deeds. But I want you to notice what David says. He says, praise him according to his excellent greatness. So David said this, and this will help you and change your life. I'm going to praise God according to his greatness, not according to my greatness. So I don't have to fill it. I don't have to, you know, I don't feel like praising. I don't feel like worshiping. I don't need to feel it. I don't need to have it on the, like I'm in the mood to praise. I don't have to be in the mood because I'm not praising based on what I'm going through. I'm praising based on what he went through on the cross. I'm praising based on the love that God has for me and what Jesus has done for me. So this is why I praise. So when I'm tired, when I'm weary, Friend, when I'm preaching, this is praise to God. When I say, Lord, I'm tired, our internet's messing up here, so if you get kicked out, just refresh, just a warning here. But you say, when I'm tired and weary, what keeps me going? I don't praise when I feel it, I praise till I feel it. So I'm gonna praise, tired, I'm still gonna praise. Headache, still gonna praise. Uh, home, getting foreclosed, still gonna praise. Sick in my body, still gonna praise. I got every demon known to man, I'm still gonna praise. I'm, I'm weary, I'm tired, I have anxiety, I'm still gonna praise. My praise, is not going to be determined on by what I'm going through. So you're going to have ups and downs in life and you're going to be emotionally unstable sometimes. But my praise remains the same because I'm praising based on, according to David, his excellent greatness, Psalms 15 too. It's based on his excellent greatness. So I don't ever need to feel it. And most of the time you're not going to feel it, but you praise anyways, because praise is not about you. Prayer is not about you. It's about praying the will of God. So praise and prayer are not about you. They're about glorifying and magnifying God. Psalms 48, one tells us great is the Lord and greatly to be praised. So God is greatly to be praised. Everything God does is good. Everything God does is great. And because of that, we praise the Lord. David said, I will praise you with all of me. So I'm not going to give you a little watered down lukewarm pinky praise. I'm not going to give you a golf clap. I'm going to shout with a loud voice. I'm going to praise you because you're worthy. And I'm gonna praise you, David said, with all of me. So I'm giving you, God, my body, my mind, my emotions, my will, praise him with all of you. Some of you are praising with a part of you, and God is saying, I want you to praise me with all of you. So this is why we praise. So we pray. We don't praise silently. Silent, being silent is not praise. We don't praise apathetically, we shout, we praise vocally. Now you don't have to always shout. You don't have to always yell and be loud like I am. I'm very, very, very passionate person. And so I'm very excited in my praise. I jump, I shout, I get excited like that. But understand that when we praise, we have to be vocal. Praise speaks of being vocal. You're never going to waste your time praising God. It will always be worth it because Jesus is always worth it. People are gonna tell you it's a waste. 
You don't have to do all that. It doesn't take that much. But I want to tell you here today, they're lying. Okay, every other person's a liar. God is the one that's telling the truth. And when all the disciples said, don't break your alabaster box, it's a waste. Jesus said, it's not a waste. There's no such thing as wasting praise on me. The other category is, is praise according to praise and thanksgiving, which they go hand in hand in my opinion. Thanksgiving, here's the difference between praise and thanksgiving. Thanksgiving is offered to God for what he's done for us personally. So thanksgiving takes the universal greatness of God, and it makes it personal to us. Paul said in Philippians 4, 6, be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication, listen to what he says, with thanksgiving, let your request be known to God. So thanksgiving and praise give us access to God. Paul says, stop being anxious. Don't be anxious. You have to understand, God is looking for people that would bring him prayer, supplication, and thanksgiving. So thanksgiving and praise gives you direct access to God. Let me show you this. Psalms 100 verse 4. Come on, let's keep breaking these numbers here. Psalms 100 verse 4. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him, bless his name. So the gate, in those days, the gate would lead into the courts, okay? And the courts would lead into his presence. That was the way it went. went the gates, the courts, the presence of God. That was the way, the way the tabernacle was. So you get through the gates, okay? You get through the entrance is into the courts is through thanksgiving. So I always like to start my prayer time with thanksgiving. Lord, I thank you. That's how I always like to start. So you enter with thanksgiving and then the way that you get from the courts into the presence is with praise. So we enter from the courts to the presence with praise. And there you stand in the presence of God. That's how we enter in the presence of God. Without praise and thanksgiving, you're going to end up distancing, distancing yourself from God. It's like the 10 lepers in Luke 17, 11. The Bible says they stood at a distance and they cried, Lord, have mercy on us. Although Jesus had power to heal, power to deliver, power to have mercy, they were too far away from Jesus. I preached a whole message one time on how the flesh and leprosy, which is a flesh disease, will keep you distanced from God. Your sin will separate you from God. And the problem that many Christians have is they say, Lord, I want you to heal me. I want you to deliver me. I want you to save me, help me. But we're crying at a distance. So what thanksgiving and praise does is it closes the distance. It closes the gap. Have you ever felt like when you got in prayer, you were like, a million miles away from God. Like you couldn't get to God if NASA helped you. You were just a million miles away and there was this gap between you. The way that you close the gap is through praise and thanksgiving. It removes the distance between us and God. So God does not draw near those near to those who are ungrateful, which is the opposite of thanksgiving, and those that are prideful, which is the opposite of humility. That's not what God draws near toward. Near toward. God draws near to those that praise, which is a sign of humility, and those that have thanksgiving, which is how you break out of pride. And this is why the devil hates praise and thanksgiving. You have to realize, if you look at the story of the 10 lepers, one leper came back and thanked Jesus. He returned. Out of the 10, only one came back and said, thank you, Lord. And Jesus not only healed the guy, but Jesus saved the guy. Why? Because he came back with thankfulness. He came back saying, thank you, Lord. And so I want some of you, you need to stop right now. And instead of saying, Lord, what are you going to do for me next? We need to learn to thank him. Lord, thank you for healing me. Lord, thank you for delivering me. Lord, thank you for giving me my mind back. Lord, thank you for, come on right now, thank him. Lord, thank you for restoring my kids. Lord, thank you for giving me this job. Lord, thank you for this husband or this wife that you blessed me with. Thank you for all that you're doing. Thank you for the ministry that you've given me. Thank you for the power that you've given me. Thank you that you've given me your Holy Spirit. Come on, as you thank him, 
as you speak out thanksgiving it attracts the presence of god it opens up the door for you to enter into his presence enter into his thing and then you praise you say lord i praise you for who you are you're a good father you're good god you are emmanuel you're the god that is among us you are the god that heals you are the god that delivers you are the god that saves and we praise you we praise you god we thank you and praise you for what you're doing in our life what you're doing in our ministry we give you high praise we don't praise you with a part of us we praise you with all of us with every part of us lord we praise you and we worship you and we thank you okay so that's the first type is praise and thanksgiving the next type is worship these are very basic guys but many people never realize there's so many different types of prayer different types of way we can engage with god the second way is through worship and worship is one of the most understood types of prayer that there is worship is not songs worship biblically doesn't speak of necessarily being vocal it's about attitude it's about heart it's about sacrifice worship is your adoration towards god this is what worship is the first time that we see worship is in genesis 22 when abraham's going to sacrifice isaac he says i'm going to go over there and i'm going to worship god now when abraham's about to sacrifice isaac and says i'm going to go worship god how many people know there was no keyboard on top of the mountain there was no light machine waiting for Abraham. He wasn't going to pull out a guitar and hit a solo. He wasn't going to play the new Hill song or the new, you know, whatever Maverick City song. He was going over to kill his son. He was going over to sacrifice his son. And then Abraham, for the first time in scripture, shows us what is worship. If you want to know what something is, principle of first mention, I won't go deep into it. Where's the first mention in scripture? The first mention of, of worship is Abraham sacrificing Isaac. It wasn't light machines, it wasn't laser beams, wasn't fog machines, wasn't keyboards, which those are all great things. That was not worship. This was purely him giving God what he asked for. Worship is always connected. Write this down. This is good stuff. Worship is always connected to sacrifice. This is how you connect worship and sacrifice romans chapter 12 let me show you this one of my favorite verses in the bible therefore i urge you brothers and sisters in view of god's mercy so paul is writing us saying i want you to look at god's mercy i've given you 11 chapters of romans telling you about the mercy of god so because of the mercy of god in view of that he goes keep that in your view like don't forget the mercy of god don't look away from it so in view of that now that's at the forefront of my mind here's what you should do Offer your body as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. So I've already preached on this. I won't go into it in detail. God wants your body parts. God wants you to give him your body parts. But this is what Paul says. He says, this is your true and proper worship. Wait, what? I thought worship was karaoke Christianity. I thought worship was me singing songs off of a board on Sunday morning for an hour and five minutes. No, he says, let me show you Romans chapter 12, true and proper worship. It's giving your body as a living sacrifice. So he says, I don't want you to die, but I want you to be a sacrifice on the altar. Put your body on the altar and let God use your body parts. Let God use your mouth to preach through. Let God use your hands to lay hands on the sick. Let God use your feet to go and preach the gospel to other nations. Let God use your body parts. Offer your body. This is true and proper worship. So worship is connected to sacrifice. And the question we have to ask ourselves is, does God own our body? Have we given our body to God or do we still control our body? What is true and proper worship? It's offering your God your body and letting God have your body. It's no longer I that live, it's Christ that lives in me. This is why people say, oh, you don't watch that movie, you're legalistic. No, I'm not. I just, my eyes don't belong to me. I mean, tell someone that. Tell a lukewarm Christian 
The next time they try to say, oh, you're legalistic because you don't watch that movie or listen to that music, say, no, no, I want to watch it. I want to listen to it, but my ears don't belong to me. My body doesn't belong to me. My eyeballs don't belong to me. I don't go out doing that because my body parts aren't mine. The Bible says sexual sin is sin against your own body. So you have to realize when you submit your body to God, you don't get to do with your body with what you want because it's no longer yours. And guess what, honey? God doesn't want to watch that movie. God doesn't want to go see that new witchcraft movie. And you think, oh, it's just a superhero, brother. Oh, don't make me start, y'all, because I'll get everybody in the chat, man, and I'll lose all these viewers here. God does not want to watch the movie. He doesn't want to listen to the new Justin Bieber song. He doesn't want to listen to the new demonic thing that you have out or this or that. God wants a holy, which we're talking about tomorrow night, a holy people. He's looking for people that would worship him and that would be holy and that would sacrifice. So if God doesn't want to do it, stop making God watch movies he doesn't want to watch and call me legalistic till Jesus comes back. I don't care. Stop watching movies Jesus doesn't want to watch. Stop listening. Look, we just lost like 100 viewers there. Actually, almost 200. Stop listening to music that God doesn't want to listen to. Give your body to God. This is true and proper worship. People hate this type of preaching. The American church hates this type of preaching because we preached a watered-down gospel that says you can have your body, you can do whatever you want, and then just give Jesus your leftovers. Come on, share this so we can get some people that want to hear this. Give Jesus your leftovers. People don't want to hear the Bible in the church today. They have itching ears and they're looking for people. I know I said Justin Bieber and I lost 200 viewers. They're looking for people that would tell them whatever their itching ears want to hear. This is not that channel. We are not preaching that. We are preaching revival. We're preaching walking in the spirit, doing what Jesus did. So worship speaks of sacrifice. It speaks of attitude. It speaks of posture. It speaks of holiness. Psalms 95, 6. It says, oh, come, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord, our maker. So see here, we have worship connected with bowing down. It's a posture of the heart. It's a posture of the body. Luke 4, 8, and Jesus answered, said, it is written, you shall worship the Lord your God only, and him shall you serve. Again, worship connected to servanthood, sacrifice. Psalms 90, uh, 29, Psalms 29.2 says, ascribe to the Lord, do it to his name, worship the Lord in the splendor of holiness. So you have to understand thanksgiving and praise are vocal, meaning they come out of your mouth. That's what vocal means. Worship is an attitude or a posture of the heart in which we come to. Now, obviously, worship can be expressed vocally, but it has to do with posture. It has to do with sacrifice. Remember, Jesus said in, in John 4.23, True worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. And this is when you worship God. There's an awe of God in the spirit, in truth, you worship God. Okay, number three, type of prayer. I hope you're liking this. If you do, type one is petition. And this is the type of prayer. Petition prayer is the type of prayer that most people think of when they think of prayer. In fact, most people only know about petition prayer. They don't know about how to praise, how to Thanksgiving, how to do worship. They just think of petition every time they pray. Petition is you asking God for things. And there's nothing wrong with this. Please don't think I'm preaching against this. Petition is asking God for physical, material, or spiritual things. Lord, will you open the door and give us this house? Will you open the door and give me this promotion? Will you bless me here, bless me there? God is not minding that. So you have to understand, prayer is not just thinking of anything we want and asking for it. Prayer is discovering God's will 
and praying God's will and God's purpose. So remember when Jesus teaches us to pray and to petition and to ask him for things, because Jesus did say to ask him for things, okay? So petition is asking God for something. That's all it means. So Jesus did say to petition, to ask God. So there's nothing wrong with it, but he said, when you pray, pray the Father's will be done. So we're not praying my will. So I'm not asking God for stuff just for me, which God does want to bless you, he does love you, but I'm asking God on behalf of his purpose and on his will. Because many people in America have turned Yahweh into your way. This is what we preach in America. You could have it your way. It's, a, it's like a Burger King gospel, however you want it. McDonald's, have it your way. We could serve it up hometown buffet style just for you. It's not your way, it's Yahweh. It's the way that God wants to do things. So we need to understand that this is about establishing the will of God on the earth. So when you pray, think about what you're asking for and why you're asking for. What is your motive behind why you're asking? In 1 John chapter 5, verses 14 through 15, it says, Now this is the confidence that we have in Him, that if we ask anything, listen to this closely, according to His will, He hears us. So what makes God hear our prayers? Asking anything according to His will. And then He says, And if we know that He hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we will have the petitions that we have asked of him. So he says this, it, this is what John is saying. If you want to know how to make God hear you, you ask anything according to his will. And if he hears you, he's going to answer you based on the petition that you brought before him. So petition is asking for things. So if you're making a petition and you're not praying the will of God, then you can't expect your petition to be answered. Mark eleven twenty four. Jesus said, therefore I tell you, whatever you ask in prayer, whatever you petition in prayer, believe that you've received it and it will be yours. So Jesus is talking about asking things in prayer. Now, many of us are asking for things we don't have prayer for. So make sure if you're asking for something, you actually believe it's going to happen. Because the Bible says if you pray and you're double-minded and unstable, you could expect to receive nothing from God. So if you're double-minded, if you're praying with unbelief, you're not gonna receive anything from God. So when, so when do you receive the things you ask for? This is the question, when you're asking God, when do you receive them? Notice what Jesus says, the moment you pray, you received it. Now it might not have happened yet, but you've received it. Because he said, if you ask for it, believe that you've received it. So when you, when you ask for it, that's when you receive it. You say, Lord, I'm asking you, to do this and then you say thank you lord for doing it and when did you receive it you received it when you asked for it because remember receiving is not the same as having something receiving is when you believe it and you settle it in your heart that god's going to do it having is the experience that follows you receiving it so the actual experience of, of what we prayed for might not have happened yet you might have to wait so i'm not preaching instant i'm not saying you're going to ask god's going to do it i'm saying that you may have to wait but just know that receiving and having are different things because I've received many things in the spirit, but I don't have them yet. So Jesus says, you gotta thank me, you gotta appreciate, because you gotta believe that when you ask, you've already received it. What does that mean? It means that receiving and having are two different things. So let me give you an example. Say you have a financial need. We're gonna use finances because it's easier to say, okay? And you say, God, I need $2,000 by Thursday or $3,000 by Thursday to pay my rent. Lord, I'm asking you, I've, I've been serving you. I need this financial need, make something happen. Then you say, thank, thank you, God. I thank you so much for this. You've already received it right there. Now, nothing has changed. Your bank account hasn't changed. You've not gotten anything. No one's blessed you, none of that, but you've received it. 
So you have to believe that you've received it. This is what Jesus was saying. If you don't believe, yeah, we broke 3,000 again now that we're not talking bad about Justin Bieber, praise the Lord. If you don't believe you've received it, then Jesus says you're not going to receive it. So we need to have faith to believe that God wants to do that. Now you might ask, well, how do I know if this is God's will? The way you know if it's God's will is because you have a relationship with him. And what happens in relationship is his desires start becoming your desires. So my desires back in the day used to be have a nice car, have a nice house, be successful in this or that. Now my desires are not having a nice car, having a nice this or having a nice that. Now my desires are I want to reach the lost. I want to equip the church. I want to... Uh, uh, see people saved. I want to see people delivered. So my desires went from, I want a nice car. I want a nice house. I want money. I want this. I want to build a business and all the stuff I used to want in the world. Okay. Those are my desires. Now I'm saved. My desires changed because I was born again. I was born in the nature of God. The spirit of God came and dwelled in my spirit. So now I have the spirit of almighty God living on the inside of me. Now my desires like genuine guys is not to have a nice car or nice, this or nothing. nothing wrong with those things. But now it's, I want to reach the loss. I want to equip the church. I didn't want that. Imagine asking me 10 years ago, did you want to equip the church? I'm like, what's the church? I had no plans, but remember my desires change. So I don't want a million dollars in the bank. I want a million souls swept into the kingdom of God. That's my desire. That's what I live for. That's what I burn for. So when I pray, because those are my desires, I'm praying God's will because God's will is that all are saved. That's what the Bible says. It says God's will is that everyone comes to repentance. But here's the thing. If you don't spend time with God, if you're not in the word, you're not going to know his will and it will be impossible to pray the will of God. How are you going to pray the will of God when you don't know the word, when you don't know God? Now there's two ways to find out the will of God. Number one is time spent in prayer. Number two is knowing the Bible. If I want to know the will of God, I need to know the word of God because God's word reveals his will. This is good preaching. I hope I'm losing my voice for a reason. I hope I'm helping someone tonight. So let's think about Abraham. For, for those of you that still don't get this, you're like, I don't understand. God said he'd do it, but it hasn't happened. And so you're making this up. Let's talk about Abraham petitioning, okay? God promised Abraham a great multitude of descendants and Abraham had no children. But scripture says in Hebrews 6.15 that after Abraham had patiently endured, he obtained the promise. Okay, so God said, Abraham, I'm going to give you a multitude of descendants. Abraham has no children. What are you talking about, God? But the Bible says after Abraham patiently endured, he obtained the promise. What was the promise? A multitude of descendants. How long did Abraham wait? 25 years. He was 99 years old before he had his promised son. So think of 25 years of Abraham wanting to doubt God, saying, God, you promised me that you are going to give me descendants, the multitudes. They're going to outnumber the sand on the seashore. You promised me, you promised me, and nothing's happening. Like Sarah's not getting any younger. I'm not getting any younger. God, you're running out of time. Let write this in your notebook. God never runs out of time. God's ways are not our ways. God's time is not our time. God told Noah, there's a flood coming and it didn't happen for a hundred years. A hundred years, Noah's building like, Lord, you said there's a flood coming because you need to understand God's time. He's not our time. So I'm not preaching a grab it, give me, give me, manifest it now gospel. That is not what I'm preaching. I'm telling you that when God gives you the word and you pray and you petition, act as if you received it. Okay, Hebrews 10, 36 said, it says, have need of endurance so that after we've done the will of God, we may receive the promise. So why do you need endurance? 
because it might take a little while. So after you've done the will of God, you're going to receive the promise, but it might take some time. God might have to take a little time. We don't know. His ways are not our ways. God never runs out of time and God's never late. God is never late. So in the gap between doing the will of God and receiving the promise, there's two things that you can do. You can either doubt or you can believe, but you can't do both. Okay, you can't doubt and believe at the same time. And this is why I really believe that God is raising up why I labeled it prayer warriors and not prayer warriors because prayer warriors, if you're taking notes, they don't get prayers answered. Prayer warriors don't see the move of God. They don't see revival. Only prayer warriors do. So you need to choose right now. Am I going to? Oh, great. My yard guy's right here, right at my window with his lawnmower. Praise the Lord. Am I going to believe God? Or am I going to believe my flesh, believe my doubt, believe the enemy? Okay. Number four type of prayer. We're almost done. Okay. Is intercession. This is good. You want me to keep going? Just type one. We got 3,100 of you. Let's, let's go. Let's keep going here. Number four is intercession. Okay. To, to intercede literally means to come in between. That's what intercession means. It's a type of prayer. So the intercessor is the one who comes in between God and those he or she is praying for. So when I'm interceding, intercession is me standing in the gap. So the call to intercession, you need to know this, is the highest calling. Your highest calling is not one day I'm going to prophesy, one day I'm going to be on the worship team, one day I'm going to be a preacher. Your highest calling is the place of intercession, is you standing in the gap. Now there's several cases. One of the best cases of this is when Abraham stood between God and the wicked city of Sodom and Gomorrah. In Genesis 18, it tells the story of two angels visiting Abraham's home. Two angels show up and they say, we are going to destroy, or God reveals, we're going to destroy. My mom said, go all night. So there we go. He said, we're going to destroy Sodom and Gomorrah. Okay. There's two angels. One's going to destroy Sodom. One's going to destroy Gomorrah. But here's the problem. They're telling Abraham this. Abraham killed an animal. He offers to wash their, uh, give them water to wash their feet. He's catering to these two angels that manifested in human form. There's a problem though. Abraham has a nephew. Okay, I'm not going to give you this whole story because you already already know. You Most of you already know it. A nephew named Lot that's in the city. So God comes and the angels are like, oh, by the way, Abraham, thanks for lunch. We're going to destroy these two cities. And Abraham goes, wait a minute. My nephew lives in that city. And Genesis 18:22 it says, the men, being the two angels, turned away from there and went towards Sodom. But Abraham stood before the Lord. This is where Abraham, and I'm showing you the picture of what intercession is where Abraham begins to intercede on Lot's behalf. There's judgment on the city. God's about to destroy it. And Abraham says, before you destroy it, Lord, let me negotiate, let me bargain, and let me begin to intercede on my nephew's behalf. And God said, would you spare it? Or Abraham said, would you spare it for 50 people? God said 50. Then he said 40. God said 40. Then he said uh, 30 and 20. He went all the way down until he got down to 10 righteous people. And it was Lot in the city now scholars some argue this but this is what i believe according to what i've researched it was lot lot's wife two of his married daughters two of his unmarried daughters and two of lot's son-in-laws so okay i'm not the best at math that's eight people there's eight people eight people that he has abraham has in the city and god says for 10 people i'll keep the city so that means all lot had to do was witness to two people all Lot had to do was to see his family, his family, be righteous, and two people. And how many of us, if God said, if you could just have two people around you, you've discipled, I'll spare the person. Many of us have not even discipled two people. 
We've not discipled anybody. And God says, I'm looking for you to intercede for people. Now, many believe that the city was 10,000 plus. So God is saying, all I'm looking for is 1% of the city to be righteous and I'll spare the city. And God and, and um, Abraham, we know the way the story ends. God destroys the city, but God does negotiate because of Abraham's intercession. Another story was Moses. When God said in Exodus 32, I'm gonna destroy the people. Moses pleaded for God not to destroy the people and God did it. Another story of Moses interceding. So you need to understand that you have the power to intercede. And the question is, are you interceding for anyone right now? Is there someone you're praying for, asking God to have mercy on them? Is there someone you're standing in the gap for when they can't believe for healing, when they don't have the faith to believe for revival, when they don't have the faith to believe for deliverance? Are you standing in the gap right now and saying, Lord, I'm going to intercede. Don't execute judgment on them. Don't let them die before their time. Come on, somebody needs to get a burden of intercession. Somebody needs to begin to intercede for family, begin to intercede for their friends, begin to intercede for their community, saying, Lord, I'm standing in the gap. I will be the one that stands in the gap on your behalf. I'm gonna be the one, if you don't believe in miracles, if you don't believe in signs, I'm gonna stand in the gap on your behalf. It's like the four men who carried the lame man to Jesus. He couldn't get there by himself, but they said, we're gonna help you get there. That's intercession. Who is on your mat? Who are you carrying in intercession? Who are you carrying in the place of prayer? Who is on your prayer mat of intercession where you say, I'm gonna carry this person. I don't care if it's 10 years. I don't care if it's 20 years. I don't care if it's 30 years, I'm going to pray and I'm going to believe God that he's going to have his way because I'm telling you, your family needs you, your friends need you, your nation needs you, your intercession matters. It changes things. No prayer is wasted. Okay, let's go into the fifth one and this is probably one of my favorite types of prayer. You're going to see why. Number five is command, commanding, commanding prayer. Okay, this is a different type of prayer. You've probably never heard of this type of prayer, but I'm gonna show you in scripture. This is commanding. This is gonna be our fifth and final type of prayer. I will post um, the stuff probably in the comments later of the different types, but commanding, Ryan always posts in the comments right away all the notes. So if you need the notes, Ryan's good to always do that. He posts them in the notes in the comments right after the video is done. Command. This type of prayer speaks of authority. This is not timid praying. This is not shy praying. This is praying with boldness, okay? And I'm gonna show you this in Matthew 21, 18. It says, now in the morning as he returned to the city, he was hungry, speaking of Jesus, and seeing a fig tree by the road, he came to it and found nothing on it but leaves. And Jesus said to the tree, let no fruit grow on you ever again. And immediately the fig tree withered away. And when the disciples saw it, they marveled saying, how did the fig tree wither away so soon? But listen to what Jesus said. Jesus answered and said, Assuredly I say to you, if you have faith and do not doubt, you will not only do what was done to the fig tree. Listen to what I'm saying here. Jesus says, you will not only do what was done to the fig tree, but also if you say to this mountain, be, be removed and cast in the sea, it will be done. And whatever you ask in prayer, believing you will receive. Now I know all these uh, Bible teachers say, oh, well, the mountain's not literal. And Jesus was talking about trials of life and he didn't really command the fig tree. I don't believe none of that. I believe what the Bible says. I believe Jesus literally commanded the fig tree to wither away and it did. And I believe Jesus was literally saying, if you have enough faith, you can cast a mountain into a sea. I don't think it was a parable. I don't think he was trying to get us to understand. I think literally he said, if you have the faith, you can command. Now notice, again, this is going to really 
make some religious people mad in the chat. So I'm just warning you before I say this. Notice Jesus didn't say, if you pray for me to cast it into the sea, I will. Notice Jesus didn't say, Father, bind this fig tree and kill it. He didn't pray. What did Jesus do? He commanded the fig tree to wither and it withered. And he says, you could do the same thing. What I did to the fig tree, you can do that. And you could even say to this mountain, be removed. You don't have to pray, but listen to what he says. You can just say it. So Jesus did not say pray about the fig tree. He also didn't say pray to the fig tree. Jesus said, speak to it on God's behalf. This was petition. I mean, this was not petition. This was commanding. It was him telling the fig tree to do what he wanted it to do. And Jesus says, I've given you this power to command. Now I pray about everything. I pray in deliverance. I pray for miracles, but I just want to show you what Jesus teaches on commanding because I know a lot of religious people are like, oh, that's new age. And that's, you know, that's a manifesting. No, it's not. This is commanding. And this is what Jesus did. And um, this is even what the disciples did. And let me show you even deeper here. Mark eleven twenty, we see the same incident. It says, now in the morning, as they passed by, they saw the fig tree dried up from the roots. And Peter, remembering, said to him, Rabbi, look, the fig tree which you cursed has withered away. So Jesus answered and said to them, have faith in God. That's his response to Peter saying, Rabbi, look, the fig tree's withered. Jesus goes, have faith in God. So Jesus is saying, if you're going to command things, you need to have faith in God. If you're one of these unbelieving, you know, religious, lukewarm, everything has to be right there in the text and he didn't mean this and you have to make everything like make sense in your religious bubble, this is not for you. You're not gonna be able to command anything. You're not gonna be able to raise a dead fly in a pickle jar. That's not for you. But Jesus said, have faith in God because those that have faith will know that they have the power to command things. Let me keep going here because some of you aren't convinced yet. John, I mean, sorry, James 5, 16. The Bible says the effective fervent prayer of the righteous man avails with much. Elijah was a man with a nature like ours. And he prayed earnestly that it would not rain and it did not rain for three and a half, uh, for three years and six months. And he prayed again and the for the heaven to give rain and it rained and the earth produced fruit. In other words, you can do the same thing Elijah did. Elijah's a man like you, just like us. And now not only do we have the same power Elijah had when we pray, things like this can happen but we've been given more power because we're in the new covenant. So we're in the new covenant. But let me show you what else Jesus talked about when it comes to commanding, okay? Again, this is gonna, this is gonna make some religious people stirred here. Mark 16, 17. I wanna read the text. And these signs shall follow them that believe. In my name, they shall cast out devils. They shall speak with new tongues. They shall take up serpents and they shall drink any deadly thing and it will not hurt them. They shall, listen to what the text says lay hands on the sick and they shall recover what's interesting i'm just i'm just pointing this out okay what's interesting is it doesn't say to pray for the sick okay even though we do i do pray for the sick because i do believe it's biblical but it doesn't say that in the text it also doesn't say pray for deliverance although i pray for deliverance it says cast out demons it says they shall cast out demons they shall lay hands on the sick what's the point the point is jesus said i'm giving you power to command healing to command demons out you don't need to ask me for something i've given you power to do again let me say this jesus did not say to the disciples go pray for the sick he didn't say that he said go heal the sick let me show you this in matthew chapter 10 the bible says jesus called the 12 disciples to him and he gave them authority to drive out impure spirits demons and to heal every disease and sickness. But I love what it says, he gave him power to heal every disease. So it's not like, oh, these ones are harder than others. You could do all of it, okay? But here's what verse five says. I'm, I'm giving you the words of Jesus. 
This is what verse 5 says. These 12, Jesus sent out with the following instructions. So here's the instructions Jesus sends them. He says, do not go among the Gentiles or enter any town of the Samaritans. Go to the lost sheep of Israel. This is what he says. As you go, proclaim this message. The kingdom of heaven is near. And then here's what Jesus says in verse 8. Here's what I want you to do. Matthew 10, verse 8. Are you ready? Here's what I want you to do. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse those who have leprosy, drive out demons. Freely you have received, freely you give. He doesn't say, I'm just telling you what Jesus says. He doesn't say, pray for the sick. He doesn't say, pray for demons to cast out. He says, heal the sick. Well, how could I heal the sick? Because guys, go back to verse one. What does verse one say? Jesus called the 12 and gave them authority to drive out impure spirits and to heal every disease and sickness. He gave them authority. Now remember when Jesus left, this is good preaching y'all. When Jesus left, he said, the authority I've been given, what am I gonna do? I now give to you and now you're able to give it to the believers you train, you equip, and you teach. So we've been given the authority of Jesus so we don't have to be beggars. Say, Lord, please get this demon out. Now I pray in deliverance. Let me just get it straight here. When we're praying for the sick, I pray. I'm like, Lord, please do the work. It's about you, not me. I pray and I command. And I say, I command your body to come in alignment with God's word. I command the demon to come out. I'm just telling you, Jesus never tells us to pray for them. He says to heal them and he says to deliver them because he's given us his power and his authority. So I do pray just for record, but I want you to know that commanding is a type of prayer that we need to be bold. One of the prayers I've seen that have gotten great results in my opinion was when I command, when I'm praying for healing, to command bodies to be healed. So I say, I command your body to be healed. I command your body to come in line with the word of God. And those commanding prayers, they move God and they work because the same spirit that raised Christ is living on the inside of us. Friend, you have the the same spirit that raised Christ is living on the inside of you. So here's what we do, 3200. This is the most important part is the time that we pray. The important part is right now. So don't click off and say, oh, we're going to pray now. This is the absolute most important part of the broadcast. We have 2,400 of you on YouTube and we have 760 on Facebook. Awesome. We're getting back on the Facebook algorithm. Praise the Lord. So we're going to pray now. We're going to pray for healing. We're going to pray for marriages. We're going to command. We're going to do all the stuff that we talked about right now practically. So you can pray with me. Now, this is not a spectating type of prayer here, okay? This is not, let's watch Isaiah pray. Look how great he prays. That's not what this is. This is a live interactive prayer meeting we're about to have. We're going to believe for power. We're going to believe for signs. We're going to believe for wonders. We're going to believe for miracles. And we're going to ask the Holy Spirit to invade our lives. So we're going to start by praising and thanksgiving. So Father, we praise you tonight, Lord. We thank you for everything that you're doing, God. We thank you that you're here healing people. We thank you that you have healed people. We thank you that you're delivering people tonight. We thank you that you're going to deliver people tonight. Lord, we thank you for everything that you've done. God, I thank you for my marriage, for my wife, for my beautiful four kids. I thank you, Lord, for all of that that you've done in my life. God, the ministry you've given me, I thank you. I honor you and I praise you that you are worthy, that you are holy, that there is no one like you. Guys, this is us praising and thanksgiving. Lord, we honor you and we worship you and we thank you for doing what you're doing, Lord, right now. I just pray, Holy Spirit, that you begin to move in every home. Come on, this is an interactive prayer meeting. Holy Spirit, right now, if you pray in the Spirit, you can pray in the Spirit. This is not speaking in tongues for an interpretation. This is praying in the Spirit. Very biblical, praying in the Spirit. First Corinthians 14, we are praying. Romans says this is how we build up our faith. This is how we build up our spirit, man. When we don't know what to pray, we pray in the Spirit. So, Father, we honor you. We enter your courts with thanksgiving. We enter your court with praise. And we thank you for moving upon us, God. We thank you for your Spirit is moving right now. And we just ask 
ask you, God. We ask you to move upon us. We worship you, Lord. We sacrifice, God. We give you our hands. We give you, come on, we're moving into worship. We give you our feet. We bow down. Worship is also getting on your knees, guys. It's also getting on your face, prostrate before God. That's also worship, is when you get there before God and you you lay before him, on your get on your knees, you bend down and you bow before him. God, we worship you tonight. You are the one that we praise. Not Isaiah, not a ministry. We worship you. We honor you. We sacrifice our time, our energy. God, whatever it is, we surrender. Come on, right now, pray this. I'm, I'm leading you right now. We surrender, God. We surrender our finances to you. We surrender our mind to you. We surrender our emotions to you. We surrender our will to you, God. We sacrifice whatever it is you're asking for tonight, Lord. We put on the altar. We put on the altar and we sacrifice it before you in Jesus' name. We sacrifice it before you in Jesus' name. Holy Spirit, we just pray that you would take the sacrifice, that the fire falls on sacrifice. Lord, let your fire fall on our sacrifice in Jesus' name. Praying in the Spirit is just praying in tongues. Lord, right now, let it fall on us. Let the fire of God come on to attract the sacrifice. We worship you, Lord. We worship you, God. We petition. Now, whatever it is you're asking, ask him. Just, Lord, we pray that you would save our kids. We pray that you would save our marriages. We pray that you would save our homes, God. We pray that you would restore. We pray that you would renew, God. We just pray right now for divine healing. Come on, we're petitioning. We're asking the Lord right now. Lord, we pray that you would bring healing in this broadcast in Jesus' name. We pray that our children would be saved in Jesus' name. We pray that demons would be cast out right now in Jesus' mighty name, God. We ask you, God, we intercede right now. We intercede in Jesus' name. We intercede in Jesus' name. We stand in the gap and we pray for those, even those in the chat that are mocking. We pray for you right now. We intercede for you. I pray that you would encounter the Lord. I pray you'd encounter the power of God. Lord, we intercede for our family, our friends, our community, our neighborhood, our country, our nation. We stand in the gap, God. We intercede for the American church. We intercede for the church of our nation, God. And we just ask God for repentance. We repent on behalf of them, God. We repent right now. We repent. We intercede. We say, forgive them, God. Spare them, Lord. Spare them, God. Every lukewarm church that's under the judgment of God, we say, spare them, Lord. Every nation under the judgment of God, we say, spare them, Lord. Every, every city, every family, God, our family that aren't saved, that are under the judgment of God, I pray, Lord, that you would spare them in Jesus' name. Right now, in Jesus' name. Holy Spirit, do what only you can do right now in Jesus' name. Holy Spirit, do what only you can do in Jesus' name. We just pray the power of God begin to move. We pray the Spirit of God, we intercede right now on behalf of our friends, our family. Come on, if you got friends or family, just right now, just spend a moment interceding on behalf of them intercede on behalf of them whatever it is maybe you have something at your job what is it whatever it is i don't know what you need but you know and god knows so you can intercede right now and just stand in the gap with intercession and then the last type of prayer that we're praying is commanding we're going to command right now bodies to be healed we're going to command i'm going to speak right to you here we're going to command right now in jesus name i command right now in jesus name bodies to be healed i command every body Every person that's listening, I command your body to come in alignment with the word of God right now in Jesus' name. We say bodies be restored, bodies be healed, bodies be renewed in Jesus' name. We command the body to be healed in Jesus' name. Be healed in Jesus' name. Every ligament, every tendon, every muscle, every nerve ending, be healed in Jesus' name. Be restored in Jesus' name. Satan, you have no power. Satan, you have no power. You are bound in Jesus' name. We say bodies be healed. Your word says that we've given power over every sickness and every disease. So right now, Father, I pray that you would loose your healing power. And I command 
your body to be restored. I command your hip to come back in alignment. If you don't think this is biblical, y'all, y'all need to read your Bibles. We just command right now all sickness to go in Jesus' name. We command all sickness to go in Jesus' name. Go in Jesus' name. You have no power. You have no power. Whatever you need healing of, type in the chat here right now. We command wombs to be healed. Wombs, we command you to be healed. Those of you that have been trying to have a baby, we just speak right now. The healing power of God to be released in Jesus' mighty name. All sickness must go in Jesus' name. Cancer, we command you to go in Jesus' name. Cancer, go in Jesus' name. Acid reflux, go in Jesus' name. Addiction, hip pain, joint pain, nerves, thyroids, migraines. Right now, ribs, hips, be healed in Jesus' name. Limnoids, be healed in Jesus' name. Right now, a lump, a lump, be healed right now in Jesus' name. Go now. And I pray right now over every person, and I command every demonic spirit in Jesus' name to go, to come out of the mouth, go into the abyss now. In Jesus' name, the fire of God is against you, Satan. The fire of God is against you, Satan. Come out now in Jesus' name. Every spirit, out in Jesus' name. Out in Jesus' name. Out in Jesus' name. Every unclean spirit, come up out right now. Go. Go. Every demon, go. Demon of depression, curses, mental illness. Go in Jesus' name. Spirit of anxiety, spirit of death. The Lord is against you. The people of God are against you. Up and out in Jesus' name. Out in Jesus' name. Out of their mouth into the abyss in Jesus name go every spirit must go now every spirit must go now every spirit must go now people say they're vomiting they're tearing up they're coughing come on let, let it out they come out of your mouth often open your mouth it's about to come out right now go 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 in Jesus name go in Jesus name every spirit go now go now up and out you have no power Satan you are bound in Jesus' mighty name. You are bound. Sickness, spirit of infirmity, up and out now in Jesus' name. Up and out now in Jesus' name. Spirit of infirmity, up and out now in Jesus' name. Right now, Holy Spirit, we just pray move. We pray move. Yawning, crying. Come on, let it out. Go. Lord, release your healing right now. We command your bodies to be healed and restored according to the word of God. Jesus said you have not because you asked not. So we ask right now for healing to come. We ask for deliverance to come now out in Jesus name every satanic spirit out now every curse broken in Jesus name broken in Jesus name go now go up up and out up and out now I'm reading your guys's comments here up and out now in Jesus name go every spirit must go out in Jesus name we pray the fire of God against every unclean spirit freedom in Jesus name Lord we just say right now that he whom the sun sets free is free indeed. Satan, you will no longer torment these people. Lord, I pray you deliver these people right now. Lord, deliver these people right now in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. Fire of God, in Jesus' name. Healing right now. Healing right now. Deliverance right now. Breakthrough right now. Fire of God right now. Fire of God right now. From the top of your head to the soles of your feet. Come on, somebody's getting delivered as we speak. Somebody's getting healed as we praise. Pray. Someone's getting breakthrough right now. These are hell-shaking prayers. These are shaking the forces of hell. These are breaking the assignments of the enemy. The contracts are being broken. This is a shattering hammer. We're literally launching with our prayers nuclear warheads against Satan's kingdom. Go now. Go now. Out of our churches now, Satan. Out of our churches. I speak that the church will no longer be safe territory for the enemy. Come on, Holy Ghost. Help me tonight. I speak that the church 
will no longer be a safe house for demons. It'll no longer be a safe place. But when people step foot in churches, their demons are going to be uncomfortable. The church will not be a safe place. In Jesus' name, go now. Go now. Go now. Every unclean root, every curse, every spell, every hex is broken off of you now in Jesus' name. Some of you didn't even know there was something there and there, it was hiding deep. And God is bringing it to the surface. Those demons that have been hiding deep in you. God is bringing them right now. The Bible says there's nothing good in the flesh. Jesus, the Holy Spirit, they don't live in your flesh. That's where the demons live. There's nothing good in the flesh, the Bible says. This is where the demons are at and we're driving them out now. Come out now in Jesus' name. Come out. Come out in Jesus' name. Shaking uncontrollably, the power of God is on you right now. Out. Every hidden demon, come out now in Jesus' name. Every demon that's been hiding, I don't care how many years you've been there, at the sound of my voice, you will come out of their mouth, up through their throat, out of their mouth, you will go into the abyss, and you will never return in Jesus' mighty name. Sickness, you have to go too. All sickness has to go. All sickness has to go. All sickness has to go. Fire of God in Jesus' name. All sickness has to go right now. All sickness has to go right now in Jesus' name. Father, I just pray healing right now. Release your healing power over every listener, every viewer. Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, release your healing power right now in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Release it. Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode of the Revival Lifestyle Podcast. If you like what you heard, go to www.isaiahsaldivar.com for more content. And please follow me on Facebook, YouTube, and Instagram at Isaiah Saldivar. See you next week.